Okay. We are actually working. This is actually working. I can't Sorry. believe it. Oh. oh my God. What a nightmare. <laughs> Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space, everyone. I am sorry that we are basically over a half an hour late to our live stream. We had so many problems with Google Hangouts that we switched to Zoom and we actually pay for Zoom. It's not cheap either. And now we have massive problems with Zoom, but we finally got this working. So, um, man, someday. I'll send out the link real quick. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll send out the link. Um, that's our guest. First of all, let me just say, well, welcome to Deprogrammed. I'm Carter Laren. Uh, please follow us on, subscribe on YouTube, but because that probably won't last, uh, go to BitChute. We have a BitChute. You can go to unsafespace.com. We'll always be there. We own the domain, so we can do whatever the hell we want at unsafespace.com. And uh, we have a subscribe star as well, as you can find us there. Uh, but I'm joined, as always, by our host, our co-host, the bad Mamma Jamma, Carrie Smith. Carrie, do you want to introduce our guest and say hello to everyone while I tweet out a link? I would love to. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thank you for being so patient. This is this probably rivals the time that we were um, 30 minutes late with Pat Dixon because of tech issues. So I really appreciate you guys sticking around. So this guest that we have today makes me so happy and so excited to talk to him. We've had him before on the show. You guys might remember um, my friend, Mike Harlow, who is a uh, brilliant hilarious writer he's one of the funniest writers that i've read um and just i like to call him what are you you're a lovable rabble rouser and you're it's kind of hard to just there's so many different things you are it's hard for me just to name one you're lovable rabble rouser and uh definitely non-conformist and fearless because you've, you've been through uh you're one of these people who kind of put yourself out there put your ideas out there and then is willing to accept whatever consequences um, there are given what times we live in. So I'm really happy to have you, Mikey. Oh no, are you muted? Uh-oh, I can't hear you. Okay, how about now? I can hear you now, yay! Because <laughs> I thought it would be better, but apparently it's worse. Okay, this is good, I can hear you. This is good. Yeah. You're good. I just tweeted out the link, by the way, to everyone. So, uh, Mikey, if you want to retweet that to your followers, you can. Yeah, give me one second. I'll be back. All right. Uh, Carrie. So, yeah. I I, this, this tech stuff. And it's not even like I'm not a tech neophyte. Like, I, I understand technology pretty well. It's just. Don't you work in tech? I, I used to. I was a cryptographer. <laughs> years right and so like it's not it's not beyond me it's just that the tools don't work and there's always some problem that crops up that's random and unpredictable so uh it's especially annoying with zoom because we pay for zoom so i'm going to be complaining to them later but uh whew. yeah i feel like once we get um once we have enough of a budget like enough uh financial support to be able to get better equipment we can get maybe hopefully some of these problems will go away but we're always going to be plagued with something uh, not not this bad but i know other live streams that do have great equipment still sometimes have these issues and you know. yeah no, i mean it is kind of inevitable i mean it's also not impossible to do a uh to host our own live stream 
platform on unsafespace.com is a lot of work. I mean, there's open source software that can do some of it and, and whatever. Um, but that probably opens up a whole bunch of other tech issues. So that's, we would need someone basically full-time being a tech person uh, to yeah. do that. Um, One day. Right now we need to be able to afford Mac and cheese. So <laughs> Instead of Mac, <laughs> instead of new Macs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First, first eat, then tech. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, um, Mikey, thank you. It looks like you're back from tweeting it out. Yes. Anyway, thank you guys so much for having me. Like the one that I did with you guys before is like my favorite thing I've ever been on. It was so great. So I'm so happy to be back on here. And I love you guys. You're amazing. We're super, super happy to have you back. And I think you might be our first return guest. Carrie, have we had a return guest other than you, Carrie? No. My, Mikey, We're yeah. Having champion. Maybe, maybe Katrina. Katrina. I might have done more than one show with Katrina. Katrina. But, yeah. <laughs> the first return guest on Deprogrammed. Yes. And yeah. uh yeah, you definitely the first you programmed return guest. Absolutely. So do you wanna Carrie, I know uh you know a lot about what's been going on with Mikey, but I'd love to just give our audience some background um because things seem to just have gotten worse since <laughs> the Gavin McGinnis. Uh, yeah, Mikey, tell me tell me about how you're um a white supremacist now. <laughs> Also, I you're homophobic, right? Are you a homophobic gay guy? That, uh, his son is a gay Nazi. So <laughs> if you ask Out Magazine. What'd you say? You, wait, you're a Jewish Nazi? Is that what yeah. this is? I think it's a shock to my Jewish dad that to know he raised a gay Nazi, apparently, according to Out Magazine. Well, you know, in the 80s, we used to say all Nazis were gay. So <laughs> I, think, I think we're fine. <laughs> As long as you don't call them lispy queers, that's like a very bad thing now, apparently. That is an awesome t-shirt, by the way. Uh, I have it right here. <laughs> this is uh, for Vox, my beautiful shirt that I made. Lispy, lispy queers, queers for free speech. So not everyone is, is Carlos Maza. Yeah, Carlos Marx. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> So tell us a little bit, I guess, just to get people caught up, um, can you maybe just quickly walk through your backstory with Walk Away and then more recently with the, the LBGTQ panel debacle and some of the stuff that's been on, going on with you? And then we can get into, I know you're really passionate about uh, a lot of the trans stuff happening and everything else. So we can, we can get into all that, but let's, let's just get people who don't know you caught up on who you are. Yeah, totally. Uh, my name's Mike. I, uh, I'm from New York. I'm a writer, artist, slashy. I don't even know what the hell I am anymore. But um, so yeah, about a year ago, I guess. Yeah, it's just hit a year. Uh, I helped my friend Brandon make a video and it became the whole walk away thing. So it was literally just three of us in a studio and it became this big thing. Um, so anyway, I have a YouTube channel. And then in March of this past year, we uh, decided that we were going to have an LGBT town hall event with walk away with uh, me, Brandon, Rob Smith, and the queen goddess, Blair White. Uh, so this became like a huge controversy. It was all over the news, all over the media. They said that we are openly white supremacists, where we were called murderers by people on Twitter, or Nazis, homophobic, transphobic, everything you can imagine. Um, it was in Out Magazine, it was everywhere. And like, uh, for example, like with my videos on YouTube, a bunch of them, they took little snippets out of context to portray the exact opposite of the point I was making in the actual video and came up with this whole open letter. So uh, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about this yet, but we are definitely suing them. So that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks this month. 
Um, yeah, I think people need to fight back when that happens. But anyway, like we just went on with our event. We did one in LA. We have the next one coming up at the end of the month. So they've just empowered us to keep going and screw these people. So but not literally, don't literally screw them. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you, if you've seen them, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> as attractive as they are. Uh, so, so go ahead, Carrie, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Carter. I was just going to, just to clarify for some people who don't know the people you mentioned. So Brandon is, is the, uh, I guess, kind of considered the founder of Walk Away, although it was you and Brandon and one other guy who made that video, right? No, it's all Brandon. I just helped out. Okay, fair. So, so Brandon. Uh, what's it called? The, what's the birthing mother called? The, the doula. The what? The this doula? Like or midwife? The midwife? I was the walk away midwife. Midwife. Okay. Um, so there was you and Brandon and Blair White and who else on the panel? Uh, for the first one in New York, it was Rob Smith. And then we've sort of been doing different ones. So um, I don't know who Rob Smith is, but for those of you who don't know Blair White, Blair White actually is trans. Um, and, and Rob, Rob Smith. Smith. Black. <laughs> oh, I don't know who Rob Smith is. So, yeah, okay. he's a gay black um, walk away. He used to be Democratic voter. He's um, former military, and uh, he's he uh, to call these four people <laughs> Nazis is one of the craziest overreaches I've seen. And I've seen them call lots of people that that who are not like they've really stretched the definition of that word but in particular these four people it's just amazing like it's almost yeah, like stretched is the right word it's broken yeah they've i think broken. that's a really important point with this because i think the four of us are pretty center right like there's nothing extreme like i'm not even a conservative i'm like kind of down the middle um so the thing is if we are to we're called far right so if we are to far right for them, then who is one person who is not a radical leftist that they would allow to speak? Nobody. I'm always asking, who is one person? Give me one name of someone who isn't a leftist or leans conservative who they wouldn't call a Nazi. There's nobody. Right. Well, Nazi That's a great point. Not yeah. That's a great point. They, it's not like they have, it's not like they ever hold up anyone who's not an SJW as an example of someone they don't agree with that's not a Nazi. They don't, they view the world as completely like, it's either you're with us in, the, in our ideology or you're Nazi. Yeah. Period. So this will obviously, actually this helps actual Nazis because normal people now don't think the word Nazi means anything. So, um, it's great cover for actual Nazis because when you start calling people like Mike Harlow a Nazi and Blair White or whatever, when you start calling them Nazis, it, it becomes so average people realize that that term doesn't mean anything. And when there are a few Nazis in the world and it provides great cover for them because no one will pay attention when someone says that's a Nazi. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You called everyone Nazis. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think that like, so the video of our New York event comes out in about a week. I think it's coming out on the 23rd or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm really, and so it shows like all the protesters and it's like almost a bit of a documentary, but I think it'll be, be really interesting for people to see because we ended up having protesters. The cops ended up having to basically like shut the street down. And so we had protesters and all they're screaming about is like racism and all these things. They were lily fucking white. Every single person amongst them 
And then you look at the crowd, the people who are waiting online to get into our event, and you see every race, every color, every sexuality, everything, like so much diversity amongst them. Actually, our side of the street looked like the people who you would assume to be liberals and leftists. And then you look across the street to the protesters, and it's like one person. It's a cult. Yeah, that's a really good point, because they are, most of Antifa is like pale white people. Um, yeah. And it was funny, too, because the people across the street who were protesting, um, they have all their chants. So they started chanting, like, Black Lives Matter and Trans Lives Matter. And the people who were coming into our event who actually are Black and transgender and stuff were like, yeah, and started chanting it back. And they didn't know what to do. They were like, yeah, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> and they were so put off by that. They didn't know how to react. So I, just out of curiosity, I know that it's unfounded, but I want to know, like, what's their... What's their general argument against you? Why are you guys Nazis and homophobic and transphobic and blah, blah, blah? Because we're not radical leftists and we're not Democrats. That's really it. Like, they have nothing. I mean, they can, sure, they can pick out little tweets here and there from years ago, like, uh, but there really is nothing. And the thing is also, Brandon, Blair, myself, we all, each one of us individually went up to them and asked them to come inside. We said, hey, it's a town hall. Come speak your mind. We want to hear from you. Wouldn't do it. Every time they just, no, 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 no. So I don't know what their argument is other than we just don't agree with them on things and we apparently have to, but they don't have any sort of, like they started screaming about uh, that we're putting children in cages. It's like, I don't even think we talked about immigration, like, or uh, they were screaming, what was it? No borders, no nations, no deportations. I'm like, who the fuck are we deporting? Yeah, what protests are you at? They were screaming for no borders, no nations? Yup. I, I can get behind that. Like, do you mean dismantle the government? Absolutely. Is that Carter's, the argument? Carter's an anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, but I don't get it because they don't mean no nations. They want... They want an extremely powerful central authority. That's everything that they stand for is central authority. Okay. Do they mean just one nation on earth when they're all like, you know? I mean, I think you're putting more thought into their worldview oh. than they have. Yes, that's probably almost certainly true, actually. That's exactly what you're doing, because they just take these slogans. It's really funny to me that they're chanting that at you. It's something that has nothing to do with immigration. It's like, no. because, they, yeah, they just recycle these things. It's the same people that you see at all the resist marches that go to all of, like, the women's marches that go to. It's, it's the same people. It doesn't matter what the, the event is. They have the same slogans every time. No yeah. hate, no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA. They do that one all the time. Yeah, because yeah, I'm I think something that's interesting, though, which is really scary when you think about it, is I feel like over the past couple of years, I've really seen time and time again how the media has so much power over people's minds and what they think. Um, like, for example, my, my own parents went to a Passover Seder, uh, maybe like a month after our event. And this was like my dad's brother and all their like stuck up people. And they start they didn't even know that I was involved in it, but they start talking about walk away because they'd heard of it and start saying how it's a Nazi group and they're neo-Nazis and it's led by a Nazi and all these things. So my dad spoke up. He was like, wait, I was there. And my parents were like Democrats and shit. So my dad was like, wait, I was there. Where, where are the Nazis? Why is it a Nazi? Why are they, why is it a Nazi group? Oh, I don't know. Well, what about Ben? So he's like, well, what about Ben Shapiro? Is he a Nazi? Yes, he is. Well, what did they say? I don't know. It's just that they've said so many times that it becomes the truth. They don't need to know the details. This is super dangerous. Um, 
Can you can you back up and just what what is the what are these town hall meetings you're having and what's the purpose behind them if people want to go to them or like pay attention to what you're doing like what's the what what message are you trying to get out or what are you trying to talk about? So uh, the one we're doing so uh, Brandon with Walkaway has basically done different town halls. So the one that I'm involved in it's uh, the LGBT town hall, but he's done other ones. And actually, I think this is an interesting point too. So the night before our LGBT town hall. Uh, he did one in Harlem with the black community, like a black town hall. Um, it was like, I think 10 different African-American speakers who were ex-Democrats and ex-leftists. And what's very interesting, um, so I went with him to, to Harlem when we were filming street interviews and every person that we spoke to basically agreed with us. Like they, you know, with the subject of like Trump comes up, they don't like him or they don't call themselves conservative or anything. But when it comes to issues, they agree with us on everything. And it's very funny because that uh, black town hall, there was nothing in the media. There was no news about it. Um, yet the LGBT one became this huge thing. So I, I knew this before, but even I didn't realize the extent of how tightly controlled the LGBT community is. I mean, more than like, I just always assumed that all minority groups are the same in that respect, but there is nothing on this earth like the alphabet soup cult. That's a good point. I um, that you could see a difference there because I'm kind of shocked by some of the things that I see you share. Where you just get like, can you talk a little bit about the random hatred you get from people, like on dating apps or or oh, people who are just like, yeah. Um, oh wait, sorry though, but just to, sorry, okay. I went off tangent, but to answer Carter's question, okay. um, we it's a town hall. So we the, the first thing that we said when we were planning this is we want as many people who disagree with us to show up as possible, because even amongst the speakers, we all believe different things. Like, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a conservative. I'm an independent. Um, so we all stand for different things. And it's just about injecting some diversity of viewpoint uh, in minority communities, especially in the LGBT community, because I don't think it's needed anywhere more than it is there. Um, Sorry, what was your question? Oh yeah, that, so yeah, I even I even freaking get people on like Grinder, which I'm yes, I'm mortified to have. I'm deleting it. I know. <laughs> but uh, I even get somebody saying like, "I know who you are. I'm not going to speak to a fascist on a dating site." Yeah. <laughs> <All dating. laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you think that the um. So, so you're saying that the, out of all these different quote, marginalized groups, the ones that the one that's one of the ones that's controlled the most is the LGBTQ group. Why is oh, that? Thank you. I'll kill you. Q, A, B, C, D. E, no. <laughs> we talked, we talked about this at the event, but I, it's, and I, th and that's funny because now this whole thing with uh, Steven Crowder and Vox, what set him off is that uh, Crowder called him queer. And it's like, you cannot call yourself the LGBTQ community and say you identify as queer and then get pissed when other people call you that, when you call yourself that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get that word, how it's become this like proper term. It's crazy. Like if you look up the dictionary definition, it literally means abnormal, mentally deranged. It's crazy to me that they call themselves that. It's never really been well defined in that community either. Um, queer was always used as like the catch-all for different, right? In in that community, I mean, like years ago, it was like oh the, the the regular gays, right? There was like oh the dykes and the lipstick lesbians, and okay, we kind of could categorize those, and you could you could categorize the gay men. It's like okay, those are the they're the bears and they're the twinks or whatever, right? 
And then yeah. there was like uncategorizable people and they're like, Q, they're queer. Like, I don't yeah, know. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought yeah. it was always the slur that straight people use. No, I mean, well, I mean, to my, to my understanding, understand that's- if, like, I understand if you want to like reclaim a slur, like how black people will use, will throw around the N word. But the thing is we don't replace like proper terminology with those words. They, we don't call it like the N word community. Right, like, right. I understand if people want to use it colloquially, but I, it's crazy to me that that's become some sort of proper term. And now they clutch their pearls and are shocked when other people use that term. Right, because they're I, using it. And I, it's become I, academic. I mean, there's like queer studies. Oh, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, lots of fun people really studied queer studies. <laughs> Bunch of fucking <laughs> riots over there. Powerful the thing laughs. That, I, I've got a question for you. Um, and this is something that, I mean, maybe you don't, you know, just because you're gay doesn't mean you're an expert on the community. Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but there's something I don't understand as a, you know, I've been more of a libertarian laissez-faire kind of person for quite a while. And so I always thought it was strange to give a shit about who people had sex with. I'm like, unless you're propositioning me, what do you care um, who, who I sleep with? Um, and But I get, you know, I get that there was, reason to kind of set a community apart because there was there was marginalization but i don't what i don't understand is how gender got lumped into this because the gender stuff is relatively new and like there's one of the acronyms for lbgbtq is like there's a well t is trans right and there's a two at some sometimes they put two for like two spirit oh, please. anything after t is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> So why is T, why does T belong in there? Or Q, why isn't it just L, LGB? Yeah. Uh, to me, anything after T does not exist. So Q, it's, the, the literal dictionary definition of queer is mentally deranged. So I think that's what they are. Um, but with T, <laughs> yeah, I, I have sort of mixed feelings on this because you're right, it shouldn't be. Um, if you try to act like, sexuality and gender have something in common they'll get offended by that and rightly so because they don't like you know a transgender person could be gay or straight it does it isn't always the same um but i feel like them lumping these things together sort of makes it more confusing for the average person um and i think this sort of speaks to the radicalism of especially the transgender community or at least the people who speak for them um but my mixed feelings sort of are that yeah i mean what more do i know about being transgender as a gay person than you would as a straight person. They really have nothing in common. Right. Um, but I think in terms of like, I really think the LGBT community in general, but especially the trans stuff, it, it's making everyone hate us. It's making everyone hate transgender people. And I'll be honest, this isn't gonna sound good, but like maybe six months ago or so, um, even I was feeling very put off to transgender people. I'm like, I'm so sick of hearing it every day. They're like a minuscule percentage of the population. I'm sick of all the ridiculousness and it's just not proportional the time that we spend talking about it versus how many people are actually transgender. Um, and I really think that everything coming out of it, everything people are seeing about trans people, it's just putting everyone off to trans people. Um, and what sort of changed my mind and made me realize that I was wrong in feeling that way is at our event, there were so many transgender people there who were like saying, thank you for like, I don't agree with all this. I hate all this shit. They don't speak for me. And right. so I feel like trans people have really been shit on by the radical left because 
they're just being made to look like fools to everyone. So I think similarly to how gay people are sort of getting pushed out of the alphabet soup cult, I think rational trans people are next on their way out. They're going to say, oh, you're privileged uh, because you look like a cisgender person or you're privileged because you're not a black disabled uh, gender fluid two spirit. So I think <laughs> that just rolled right off your tongue there. That was a, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, that's uh, interesting. I think it's um, we've made this distinction before on deprogrammed, which is that a lot of times it's the activists, it's the SJW activists who I have an issue with because they claim to speak on behalf of these groups when they don't. And you're right. It's like it's like um, like we've talked about fat studies before. It's like I, I don't have an issue with like like fat studies, fat activists, fat SJW activists. They don't speak for fat people. I have no problem. I have no beef with fat people. I have a beef with fat activists. You yeah. know, I, I don't have a beef with trans people. I have a beef with these SJW trans activists. And a lot of times yeah. they're not even a member of the group they claim to be speaking on behalf of. Ever. Like, yeah. Ever. It's so fucking infuriating. Oh, what I was going to say, though, is going back to what we were saying before is... um when I was sort of helping Brandon out with uh, street interviews and stuff with the Harlem town hall, I feel like I sort of realized, I think, cause there is a lot of control of how people think in different minority groups, but I think it's sort of different. Uh, whereas in the black community, I think it's sort of coming from outside or it's sort of bottom up in that I feel like it's other people, usually white liberals who are telling them, this is what you need to think. Whereas in the LGBT community, it is a top down problem where it's all of these very rich, very affluent alphabet soup groups who set the agenda and everyone else below them needs to follow that. Do you think, um, just from the outside, it seems to me that, you know, if you, if you limit it to just like, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, maybe trans, if you, to the old school thing that you're talking about, um, it, it sounds like a group that's for a certain group of people. Like we were trying to help these people that are defined this way. But once you start adding on all this stuff and it becomes very ambiguous, to me, the only clear definition of that community right now, at least from that, you know, looking at the activists, the only clear definition is we hate cisgendered people who are heteronormative. Like that's yeah. it. It's like, it's only defined by what they're not. It's not cishet, that's it. Um, is Not that even in some cases though, because then they add, I think there's ally in there now and there's ace. Oh God. The other day I got yelled at on Twitter because I said something that's apparently very offensive to the asexuals. So now I need to worry about being offensive to the goddamn asexual. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to have, now I have to be grouped in with the goddamn asexuals. It's crazy. By the way, one of our commenters, Michael Joseph, yeah, he pointed out that that they have A for ally now, which is like, uh, he's like, so I guess straight people are now part of the, the community. It, why why don't that dress you're wearing is offensive to the asexuals? Sorry. This is the thing where no, but you break intersectionality down to such a degree. Jordan Peterson has made this point before, where the logical conclusion, the end result of intersectionality is that you just come back to the individual. So if like they keep adding like LGBTQA, like let's add straight people in there now. It's like, eventually you're going to say, we don't need any of these. Let's just say human. Like yeah. why? Because you're adding something to make sure every single individual difference is represented. Well, that's just individuals. 
Yeah. yeah, but they're not ever, it's not ever going to go that far, Carrie. That's not their, they're never going to let it go that far because they're not fundamentally individualists. They're fundamentally collectivists who are basically, in my view, just trying to destroy Western civilization. And this is a one method of it. Um, I don't know, Mikey, what, I, I guess I shouldn't have jumped in. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, on, on what? Sorry, on what? Carrie's point that if you just take it to the logical conclusion, it's it's just individualism. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I see the need for it years ago when, you know, even a decade ago, maybe when people really hated gay people and trans people. But I feel like these activists, they don't want to acknowledge that the world has changed. And it has even, you know, when I came out, uh, which was certainly easier then than it was in the 80s or something. But even when I came out, it was a totally different world than it is now, because back then, Really, there wasn't a day that would go by where being gay wouldn't be an issue with something. And that just isn't the case now. Like, I know, of course, that there are still people who have it harder than many of us do. And there are people who deal with things and, you know, discrimination, homophobia will never totally go away. But it's a different planet now compared to how it was. And these people don't want to acknowledge that because this is a very lucrative business for them. If you consider all the lobbying, all the special interest groups, whenever they don't, they don't want us to all get along and have equality and be accepted because they would be out of a job. Right. Do you think that the kind of regular run-of-the-mill gay and lesbian folks are just going to start integrating into society, which is and leaving these groups like stop they'll stop thinking of themselves as a member of the lgbt community and start thinking of themselves as just a member of the community generally and the lgbt community is kind of weird to them i mean i'm not sure because i think the problems go so far beyond that that it's kind of difficult it starts much sooner than that because the culture that has been fostered by the lgbt gay community whatever you want to call it is so programmed in people and is so toxic that by that point they're so deeply immersed in it that I don't know how that happens aside from a small minority of people. I think it's the culture itself that needs to change. So can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Are you saying that um, most like regular gay people are bought into this kind of social justice, um, you know, cr critical gender theory concepts that are being pushed? I mean, I don't know if it's that as much, but I think that that's very linked together with what the gay culture is today, unfortunately, where people just base their lives around drinking and drugs and partying and hook up and don't have relationships. And that really is the mentality that's pushed in the gay community, um, all of this dysfunctional shit. And the thing is, the dysfunctions of gay people are the same dysfunctions as straight people. But what the key difference is, is that when you're gay, you're told that those are positive things. Um, and, yeah, I think, and I think you go ahead. I was just say I think you can't say embrace us, accept us. We're just like you. We're equal, and then do everything humanly possible to cut yourself off from mainstream society. I think you mentioned this on the last show that we had you on here, but um, the uh, it, it used to be the gay community used to be kind of saying like, hey. We're just like you, we, we get married and we have normal lives and we are in the PTA and we go to work and we, you know, we mow the lawn. We just, 
you know, we are married to a same sex partner and that's the only difference and you need to just accept us. And it sounds like now they're like, screw that. You know, we're, we're not anything like you. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, look, like I said, if you look at the word queer in terms of meaning strange and unusual, then I would be queer for many reasons based on just who I am, but not for being gay. Like to me, that's just a boring, normal fact. So I feel like, yes, be queer for as an individual, as your personality, not based on who you fuck. Like you don't, like what I'm saying is you don't have to conform to all these things. Like, obviously I'm not the type of person who's just gonna mow the lawn and like, you know, go to the PTA. But I feel like though that sort of, those sort of things, how you are a nonconformist should be an individual thing, not how they tell you to be, you know, you're a free thinker. Here's what you need to think and it's free, have fun. Yeah. Mikey, I have a I have a, another question for you about catching people up on uh, what's been going on with you. Um, one of the things I saw you share that was the made me the most angry on your behalf was this job rejection for this this writing gig that you got. What can you just tell people briefly about what they said about you in in the letter to you? Oh God, I'm trying to. Re- I've gotten so many. I'm trying to remember what the hell that was. <laughs> they said you're a great writer. But because of one of your tweets, it was a tweet of you, you'd done about a senator. It was like a funny tweet. Oh, God. Yeah. I, you know what's funny, too? I should say, out of, so when, when they tried to deplatform our event, it was this whole open letter, and they had, they compiled a, an entire hate speech dossier of everything we've ever said or done. Um, so there was one night that uh, it was like 2 a.m. or something, and I wrote some impulsive tweet about that senator, Kristen Cinema that she reminds me of a I'm like I'm not saying she looks like a hooker just she reminds me of a hooker and what's <laughs> funny is that out of everything I've ever said that they came up with that was the only one that I actually had some second thoughts about and was like well I wouldn't have said that again if given the chance um but yeah you don't think of anything of it when you're tweeting but it, it's just so ridiculous that we are expected now in every facet of life to speak like we are at dinner with our girlfriend's parents you know nobody like this is how people actually speak and it's just i would love to hear these social justice words who are so pure i would love to hear what they actually say in private because i think people like myself and i know people like you carrie like i think knowing you and people like us i think that we, we really are the exact same in private as we are in public you know mm-hmm. uh but i think with them they're so dishonest that you know for example, a while ago, I had this roommate, this girl and her boyfriend were terrible, but um, they were, they hated everything I had to say and they were so liberal. So one day they were pontificating about uh, immigration and Trump and it's racist and, oh, this is not who we are. This is so wrong. It's racist, white supremacy. <laughs> I swear to God, not five minutes later, she's same person is talking about our landlord and goes, that greasy fucking Mexican, they should send him back wherever the hell he came from, that greasy piece of shit. Oh, really? (laughs) Those people in private are usually the worst ones of all. This is... Yeah, this plays into something we've talked about before, which I think there's something psychological going on with people who, um, they, if they have, if they harbor racist beliefs, then they're but they maybe feel guilty about those beliefs and they they're more likely to believe that everyone harbors those beliefs because they do 
or if they harbor like like that the example you just gave of her yelling this racist stuff about mexican like if she harbors that belief then it's then she believes everyone does and then the correct way to speak in public is to be against it but in private she's like feels like it's okay to express with you because everyone holds it right it's like no everyone doesn't hold those beliefs yeah like and i think people like myself and knowing you like i don't think there's anything that anyone could ever catch us saying in private that we wouldn't say in public because we don't hold those beliefs. Yeah. Do what do you think the biggest? Um, if you had to point out one or two things that were the most dangerous that were being pushed by the LGBTQ two A P plus plus community, what what are the things that are bothering you the most right now about what they're doing that you think are destructive? Did you say? Did you say one or two things? <laughs> Sorry, the top. How much time do you have? <laughs> what, oh, well, God. what are the top few things? I wouldn't know where to start. Uh, everything. I mean, the conformity and the control that they have over people is outrageous. The politically, they have gotten so extreme that it's ridiculous. The culture that they push on people is so toxic and so self-destructive. And data shows this. It is making people miserable. If you look up. Uh, the statistics and rates of anything negative amongst gay men, uh, addiction, depression, sexually transmitted diseases, they are all skyrocketing. Meanwhile, we are living in the easiest, freest, most accepting time in human history to be gay. Uh, if that were, and they claim that every, every ill in life is because of homophobia. So if homophobia were the cause, those numbers would be going down. They are not. Um, and politically, the things that they're pushing, first of all, I don't know if this is just me, but do you guys feel like Pride Month is on steroids this year? I think it's been getting like more and more on steroids every year. I um, can't take it. Yeah. Well, it used to be, honestly, I know there's always been Pride Month, but uh, I live in the Bay Area. It used to be like the Pride Parade mm-hmm. and the days around the Pride Parade and people would kind of go crazy. Um, no, they need a month. Yeah, now they need a month. Um, it's like those well, people now- say my birthday week. It's like, no. Yeah, yes. It's those people. It's my birthday week. Hey, this is my yeah. birthday year. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah. they, By the way, uh, a few years ago, I was on a four loco float during gay pride. I had a friend who had business with them. I had never had four loco, but I've got to tell you, like four hours in the sun drinking four loco at a gay pride parade, not a recipe for, for health or happiness. I had four loco once and I passed out on my staircase. <laughs> I woke up sprawled out on a staircase. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on that day. When I was, a, when I was an SJW, okay, so when I was an SJW, I, I would go to pr- a lot of prides every year. I worked with um, a lot of comedians who performed at prides. And so I would go to several throughout the country, not just one. And I was really, I was such a purist SJW, like such a, that I, I would get upset at the commercialization. I'm like, this is pride. It's not about like a bunch of half naked guys dancing on an Altoids float, you know, <laughs> Altoids by Altoids. Here's the, you know, it just really bothered me. But now I feel like you're talking about it being on steroids. Now it's like they, it's almost like the SJW world embraces the corporate um, sponsorship and the corporations have become hugely pandering. Like they pander like crazy during this month. Ridiculous. I can't tell. I mean, everywhere. I just, it's ridiculous. I don't know. And that's why 
I always try to say leftists and not liberals because it's crazy to me that, first of all, I think the biggest con that has taken place this century has been the ability of corporations to get liberals to think that these multinational conglomerates care about leftist policies. Yeah. The last no, wait, wait, Eva, I, I, I don't think that they, I don't think they believe they care. I think that the leftists know that this is a culture war and they need to reward corporations that spread their propaganda to fight the culture war. Because I think as soon as they win the culture war, those corporations, they'll, oh, be, they'll, they'll be killed. But I do think that they're in alignment, like whether they've put that much thought into it or not, I, they're in alignment with that. You know what I mean? So yeah. just look at all the things they push. It's like corporations don't care. Because I, I think one of the most important things that I thought always made me a liberal in the past and that I still feel is I, I think we need to control corporate power just as much as we need to control government power. And I always thought that being, that having that sort of skepticism of corporations was an integral part of being a liberal. Yet today they march in lockstep with these corporations, whether it's Google, YouTube, Facebook, any of them. Yeah, they do. Um, and it's <laughs> just as a more libertarian huh. guy who doesn't really want to control corporations, we got to also understand that these corporations actually, um, they're not completely separate from the government anymore either. No. It's not super easy to tease them apart, right? They've got, they, you know, anytime they're a large industry, it's regulated. There's a, there's a very tight relationship. There's a revolving door between the regulators and the corporations. They help set policy. They, they, push, um, they push legislation through lobbying. Um, they, they have uh, a lot of legal framework around them that ties them very tightly to government and government officials and what's going on. So it's really... It's oligarchical in many ways, yeah. right? When you look at when you look at these companies, it's not a free company disconnected from the government doing stuff. There's a there's a bit of an oligarchy going on. Yeah, um, and I think that there's been a because one of the things that is important to me is like obviously I'm never going to vote for Democrats anytime in the near future because even for example, I really like Tulsi Gabbard, but even if she were the Democratic nominee, I would I don't know if I could vote for her to give her party power because they are so horrifying to me today. So unfortunately, we have a two-party system, and it doesn't seem like there's a huge groundswell of support from people for a third party, which I thought there would be. So in the absence of that, I want Republicans to be better. And I think a huge failing of Republicans is a thing that they, I think, need to start hammering is make capitalism great again. Because we have so much corporatism and cronyism and all of these things that we don't really have true capitalism anymore. It's just all of these corporate monopolies. Yeah, we really, we've really moved quite far away from any sort of free market that we've had in many ways. And the Republican Party... I like you, I was kind of hoping the Republicans would pick up the gauntlet, but Republicans are notoriously inept. They just, yep. they just suck. Like, yes. There's a few good ones, but they just suck. And, you know, they yeah. never trump themselves. Not that I'm a huge Trump fan, but like they never trump themselves into oblivion. And they're, they just support the same big, I think um, Michael Malice says that uh, conservatism is progressive driving the speed limit, which is like, yeah, that's all it is. Conservatism yep. is progressivism uh, driving the speed limit. So I know. do think, though, if they will grow some balls and wake up, I do think that there is a major opportunity for Republicans 
to be better and to be this sort of uh, coalition of different people like us. I, I think. I don't know. I mean, they would need to do some things very differently. Like I say, I'm like an aspiring Republican. Like I really do want them to be better because I think that their underlying principles, if they went back to them are good, but yes, they just they, sold them out over the last, they have years. a better, they have a better um, chance. I think of, of running people right now who, um, at least speak to me. I mean, I voted, you know, Mikey, I voted for my first Republican this past November in the um, midterms. Yeah. And I, I, because he was the most liberal candidate running and um, I, the, the Democrats, the Democrats are just, they've been taken over by this SJW ideology for them. And so, yeah, you're right. I, I, I wanted to come back to your point about Tulsi Gabbard really quickly. I like her a lot too. Um, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, if she was the nominee, I don't, I don't know if I would. I think I would want to vote for her, even knowing that she's going to bring the whole party with her. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad I don't have to make that choice because they're yeah. never going to let her be the nominee. They're never going to let her be the nominee. She they, they've called her a Russian agent. Uh, they smear her just as much as anyone. So I'm really hoping she'll maybe like become an independent or something because I really like her. Yeah, they but call her homophobic. That that makes my head explode. How they they, call wait, they called her homophobic? Yep. Because Why? in something like 2003 or something like that, she was against gay marriage. Yeah, so, so was Obama. So fucking person so in the world. So was I mean, not Harry. me, but many uh, people. Yeah. But they did that, they, that same thing during the Kavanaugh hearings that I remember uh, Cory Booker was questioning Kavanaugh and he asked him if he supported gay marriage in 2004. Nobody supported gay marriage in 2004. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Let's talk about this decade. Yeah. No, and so I I have a I have a I have a strong warning about people like Tulsi Gabbard. Um because I know there are people like you and Carrie both like Tulsi Gabbard and I don't know her very well. She sounds better. But based on my understanding of social justice ideology, if someone is not loudly and vehemently opposing it, they will fall to it, even if through passivity. So it's because she's not fighting it actively, she will passively end up supporting it, even just be, not even because she wants to. So you and need that's to. Why, that's why I don't know if I could ultimately vote for her and to give her party that power. Because yeah. if this is how Democrats act when they are out of power, I will do everything humanly possible to make sure that they don't get power anytime for the foreseeable future. Right. And I think, honestly, I think that's why a lot of people voted for Trump. They mm -hmm. don't, a lot of people don't like a lot about what Trump stands for. He's not really conservative on many issues and he's, you know, got a lot of skeletons in the closet, but he was the only candidate who brazenly and openly fought this ideology and fought the culture war. And I think that was what earned him votes. And I, I think if there's a chance for the Republican party to reform, it's when it's in you know, the second at the end of Trump's second term when there's no Trump anymore and they have to decide what direction are we going now? Because they're kind of stuck with Trump right now. Um, yeah. But they've got another, what, four or five years before they can figure out, like, what's their new identity? And if they go back to the National Review identity, uh -huh. uh, lose. I know. Yeah, I think there's this huge opportunity in front of them, but they would have to change a lot of things. Like, for example, I think if you really want to see just 
the how horrible Republicans have been and the failure of Republicans, look to the black community because Republicans have absolutely failed black America. Whereas Democrats have come in with these policies that I believe are hugely toxic, but they've been given no alternative because the best thing, the best thing you could say about Republicans with the black community is they've ignored them for decades. Um, like if you go to any inner city, go to Harlem, go wherever, Democrats are camped out on every corner. Republicans don't show up. They don't talk to people. They don't offer any sort of alternative to any of these policies. So you can't expect people to vote for you when you don't even speak to them. And if yeah, they would just do things like that. Because the thing is, I think a very important statistic that people overlook is that 40%, almost half, 40% of African-Americans in this country identify as conservative, yet over 90% vote Democrat. 90% of people can't be wrong. That is the fault of Republicans and Republicans alone. Yeah, no, you're, I think you're spot on there. And this is something that Maj Touré brings up um, is because he's a, a black gun advocate in, in Philadelphia. And he brings this up all the time and he's criticized CPAC for this, which is like, look, you guys, I think you, he, he has said basically, I think a lot of what you guys stand for is better for the black community, but you don't even fight. You don't even, yes. you're not even explaining it to them. You're not even there explaining that, you know, the Democrats are building an urban plantation. You're yep. just absent. You're absent. And I think, I think yep. you're right. Do you think that's changing though, that with things like Black said and like the Black walk away? And that's the thing. I think it's changing, but not, but it's because of people like us. It's not changing because of anything coming from the party. Like we're doing all their work for them, basically. I mean, not us in particular, but I think culturally it's changing and it's changing because of cultural figures. But they need to, like, I do think, as crazy as this sounds, because it's not in line with his rhetoric, but I do think in some ways Trump has been a step forward in terms of criminal justice reform and the first uh, the first step back. But, you know, it's like going from zero to one. Like, it needs to be a lot more, I think. Yeah, and the Republican establishment is just, they're just asleep Horrible. at the wheel. So if, you know, they need to get kicked out of the car if the car is going to turn around and go somewhere good. And maybe, right, maybe one of these people, uh, these younger activists or people who are actually changing the culture will end up taking over. I don't understand. I mean, the message that I would say is like, there are there are billionaire and, and multimillionaire Republican donors out there donating to this machine, which is a like a useless weight on society. It's a piece of shit. Like yeah. donate to the newer people who are actually could actually build a Republican party that could be something that anyone would want to vote for. Cause right now no one actually wants to vote for Republicans. No, I think, uh, I don't know. My best theory as to why this has been the case with them is I think in order to do, like, I really think if Republicans go to black churches, go to Detroit, go to Baltimore, go to Harlem. Um, if they would do these things, it would reshape the entire electorate. I think especially minorities are really craving an alternative. The thing is, with Republicans, it, to do that, they would have to say goodbye to this very small handful of like 90-year-old racists. And I don't think they have the balls to do that. Yeah, maybe you're not. I maybe. think you want to get every... That's the thing. People say Republicans are racists. I don't think that's the case. I think they're cowards. They don't want to lose one vote. So they don't want to... Yeah, Republicans are pussies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I really don't think that 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 whatever that small group of 90 year old racists or I, I really don't think that group is very large. Is it I think it's more 
I think it's more that they've bought into the idea that they have nothing to offer these different marginalized communities. Yeah. And so they don't even try. Like they've, they've bought the, narr- the same narrative that the Dem- Democrats have been selling to yeah. marginalized groups. Yeah, Carrie, your point, your, I think you're bringing up a point that, um, Mike, you actually alluded to this. And I think when, when you said like they should, I think you said something about make capitalism great again, mm-hmm. right? The, the big difference for, that I've seen, I mean, I'm, I've seen the, I've paid attention to politics for, you know, decades back since Reagan. Um, and look, you know, the, the Democratic Party has at least stood for something. I've disagreed with it. But to a large extent, they've stood for something. And now, actually, they do stand for e- something even more than they have in the past. And it's a very clear something. It's a horrible something. It's Marxism yeah. and authoritarianism, but it's something. And Republicans just don't stand for anything. They're kind of like, vote for us. We might lower some taxes yeah. and go slower. But there's no, they're not getting out there and saying what you're saying, Mikey, which is like, hey, they, they had an opportunity, for example, to do this in the 2008 right? They could have said, hey, you know what? This crash was bullshit. This wasn't capitalism. This was cronyism. We need to return America back to capitalism and back to free markets because this is killing people. And we got to get rid of this cartel of banks and how tied they are with the government. And we have to stop, you know, just giving them money because they screw up. And, you know, we have to get back to the free markets that made this country great. That needs to, they need to stand for something. I would prefer it be that but they need to stand for some kind of clear vision because the Republicans just don't lay out a vision at all, at well, all. And you know, all Trump had to do was say, make America great. He didn't even have to define it. And at least people were like, well, at least that's a vision of something where it's like America is in it and great and make, okay, uh-huh. uh, I'll, I'll get behind that. But well, the reporter, look at the, look at the bailout who supported it, both parties. Right. So- I, that's where I say I do think, even though I, you know, there are a lot of things about Trump that I don't condone, but I do think in some ways he has been a step forward. I think the best thing that he has done is he has made all of those neocons basically irrelevant. Like they still do have power in elected office, but I feel like we're sort of moving away from the John McCain's, you know, God rest his soul and all, but those types. Um, I think he yep. sort of moved them away from that, especially in terms of foreign policy, where just the fact alone that there have been no new wars so far with Trump, I think is very important that he has gotten them away from being as much the party of war as they once were. Yeah. Actually, that's a beef I have against the Democrats, though, because yeah. they, you know, I was I was never a Republican, well, a long, long time ago, but not in recent history. I was not a Republican. And one of the things I liked about the the left was at least I could count on them to oppose useless wars. At least yeah. I was like, all right, well... The Republicans, you know, they're going to post some other stuff I, I don't like. That's good. But they're going to go fight wars. At least I got the left. The left is going to oppose those wars for me. And they're going to they're gonna have uh, protests and blah, blah, blah. No. And they're no. going to stand up for free speech. No, not anymore. Yeah, the left that's doesn't the free, free speech. The don't, nothing. That's the thing is there were, I guess, four things that I always considered to be integral to me being a liberal. Uh, anti-war, free speech standing up to corporations and individuals being judged for the content of their character. Yes. All of those things, the left today stands for the exact opposite of it. So these things, which I, those things are still 
huge to me. Those are the values that I would give my life for. And they are totally absent from the left. Not only that they're absent from the left, but the left actively opposes these things. So there's no way that I can call myself one of them anymore. I think I have a, I have a, I have a uh, prediction. I think the word, I think the left will start saying that the word liberal is code for Nazi. That's gonna happen in the next couple of years. Oh. You, you know why they're gonna say that? Oh, that's brilliant. I, oh, you're right. They're probably, you're, I, think, I think you could be right because, see, Absolutely. I still use that term liberal because I don't, as you guys know, I don't, I'm still a liberal. It's, it's yeah, I, yeah my, my beliefs have changed only in that I've started to be able to discern the, like the difference between my former SJW ideology and liberalism, but I'm still a liberal and I'm still going to use that word because I, I'm not giving that word to them. And I think you're right, Carter. I think that there are enough liberals now who are, so many liberals have been scared. They've been scared of the SJW left, but a lot of them are starting to speak up now and say like, no, I'm a liberal. I'm a classical liberal. And you know, yeah. you're not taking that word. And so you're right. They have to turn it into, uh-oh, I think we lost Mikey for a second. Uh, yeah, but they have to turn it into something um, negative if people won't relinquish it. Are you back? Yeah, sorry. Can you see me? My phone yep. fell. I can yeah, see yeah. you. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I, and because they've already, so I don't know if you know, Carrie, because I've, I've heard you use the term classical liberal before. Um, classical liberal uh, is libertarian. That's what that is, right? So, um, Libertarians, when I first became a libertarian, like maybe 25 years ago, which makes me sound super old, um, when I first became a libertarian, I would say, especially when I moved to San Francisco, because everyone was liberal, I would just say like, I'm a classical liberal. And they were like, and it, it was a good transition because I, I used the word liberal. So they would be like, that doesn't sound so bad. What does the word classical mean? And then I would just kind of explain a little bit and be like, okay, that's fine. Because it wasn't uh, you know, the evangelical left running San Francisco back then. Um, but yeah, so they've already, you know, but now if you say classical liberal, they already know that that means you're bad, bad, bad. So I, I think, yeah, you're going to be a Nazi soon. Yeah, no, I totally agree that they're going to say when they call, when they use terms like leftist or social justice warrior or liberal, that they're, that that's dog whistling, that they're right. not, they're white supremacists who are dog whistling. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> So there you are. You're back. <laughs> my, uh, my laptop is on life support, so I'm using my phone. And I have like books propping it up. So tell us how much you enjoy. I just want to switch the subject, Carrie, unless you have anything else you want to mention. But um, tell us how much, Mikey, tell us how much you enjoy 10-year-old children dressing in drag and taking dollar bills for uh, payment at strip shows. Go. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> we we lost him. Uh, uh, did we lose him? <laughs> not just that, all of the creepy shit that they're doing with children. It may, there is no subject that makes me more angry than this. It is psychotic. Because how many decades did it take uh, for people to undo the stigma and the stereotype that gay men are pedophiles? Who they were, the gay agenda wants to recruit children. It took decades to undo that. And now that we've finally gotten to the place where people understand that, they're going to do all this creepy shit with children. It's psychotic. Three-year-olds being transgender. They literally had a thing. They've had multiple stories in the media of openly gay three-year-olds. I didn't know what gay was when I was three. Like, what could happen? And here's the thing that I find really upsetting is 
if these people are arguing that a three-year-old can have a sexual orientation, why can't they be having sex? That'll be next. I get, mark my words, the day is coming. And They're actually, already, yes. There was actually just a story uh, recently, last week, where I forget what this person's title was. I think it was in Canada. I, I'm, not, I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but some like official person from some agency said that there is no evidence that sex with children is harmful to them. Yeah. So this is, the day is very much coming where they are going to say that children should be having sexual relationships. And when that day comes, any opposition to that, I assure you will be hate speech and you'll be a bigot and you'll be homophobic and oh, this makes my head explode. They're already using the same, they're already using the SJW ideology to try and bolster this. So on Twitter, there's a ton of people now, pedophiles who go by uh, MAP, they call themselves minor attracted people. And uh -huh. Yeah, to make it more PC, more SJW. Um, they just arrested this guy, another, another SJW. This is a blue checkmark journalist, Dr. Pizza. And he, yeah, he's and he's he's a blue checkmark. He's verified by Twitter. He's held in high esteem. He's got the right politics, right? Um, he, they went through his history and found that on these message boards, which have been public knowledge at his employer's message boards, that he had been arguing um uh, on behalf of what you just said, that that like sex with children is not necessarily harmful to them, and and no, his employer never did anything, and it wasn't it didn't come out until recently. But he's using all the same arguments that SJW is using, and you're exactly right. If a if a three year old child is old enough to consent to uh, medical intervention to change their gender. Okay, or to consent to say, yes, I'm old enough to decide that I'm gay, right? Like yeah. that, or straight. Then how, how, it's not that, it's not that long until it's. No, no it is. That's yeah. sort of become, there. I should say, like, that's become a little bit of a talking point with people who are very right wing that they're like, oh, the LGBT community is pushing pedophilia. I don't think that's the case at the moment, at least. Like, I don't think all of this stuff with children, I don't think it's because they're pedophiles. I think it's like their ideology that we just need to be so open-minded that our brains fall out. However, when that day inevitably comes, probably in the next couple of years at least, um, I don't see them standing up to it. I, I think that they'll just be so steeped in that ideology that we just have to accept everything that you'd be a bigot. It would be hate speech if you don't. Yes, right? It's I don't social see pressure opposition to it and the lgbt community should be the people standing up to this the most because we're the ones who will inevitably be judged for it of like course just painting them all with the same brush yeah What's that? you're yeah of course because you're getting painted with the same brush it's like whatever they're doing is tainting that entire community because they're doing it in the name of the lgbtq community that's the thing i saw uh there was this i forget where it was published but there was some article recently saying that milo is actually straight and he was he's a plant to destroy the lgbt community and i was like he doesn't need to destroy the lgbt community they're doing a fine job on their own the, the other thing about this whole thing is um i don't know if you guys remember the pizzagate thing with cernovich i mean he he it wasn't his theory but no. uh, you know he talked about it as a theory um of course he's blamed for you know pizzagate but whatever uh there was this, I, so I went through and looked at those emails and they did seem kind of weird and these weird mentions yeah. of pizza. And, you know, now because I'm a little bit reticent, um, uh, reticent to subscribe to conspiracy theories, 
I didn't jump on that and be like, aha, they're a pedophile ring. You know, this is, you know, that this is code for pedophilia. But I see why some people did, right? And there's the yeah. weird pizza geek meals. This journalist who's at Dr. Pizza, that was his, that was his freaking Twitter handle. He attacked Cernovich and mocked all of the Pizzagate stuff. He, he, he went after Cernovich hard and Cernovich's family. He mocked all the Pizzagate stuff as being ridiculous. And what, what does it turn out? He is a fucking pedophile. And it makes normal, for me, I'm like, well, gee, maybe there was something to that Pizzagate. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, uh, that a little bit more. I don't know all that much about it, but I did see those emails and there is something strange about it. I don't think it's what it was reported, but it is something strange, like something weird is going on. I don't think it, it's what they I think it was, like, but it's I think something. like most things, it's a combination of both. It's like yes. there, there's something there, but because they have uh, the mainstream won't look at it, then you have people who uh, the conspiracy theorists who make it into some crazy thing. And then the element, which is what the mainstream wants, because they don't want the mainstream journalists don't want to look at it or give it any legitimacy or, or so then, so then it becomes that it's all crazy, but there are little things of truth in there. I, I went down a Pizzagate rabbit hole and I, you know, I watched um, there. They definitely, there's a community of people who use these words. Absolutely. Were they running a child sex ring out of the, pizza joint in in new york no i don't think so <laughs> but but there but these words are being used in that way by pedophiles and well i think it's the same thing with most conspiracy theories like just, for example 9-11 stuff do i think that 9-11 was an inside job no of course not absolutely not however do i think that we know everything that our government knew about it no way so I think most of these conspiracies, like you said, that's a good point. It's usually a mix. And I, another thing that I think is pretty important is that uh, the media and all these places, now their big thing is we need to ban conspiracy theories. But the question that they should really be asking is why so many Americans are so susceptible to believing conspiracy theories. Why do we need to feel such a distrust for our government and for our media to believe them? Because we were raised with stupid pointless wars that were that we were lied into and we were brought up with the media and the government pushing conspiracy theories conspiracy theories like iraq has weapons of mass destruction but they don't want to ban that one or right. russian collusion yes right. absolutely right so you know you're it's government and a media that was more honest we wouldn't have conspiracy theorists yeah so that's the thing right i like we used to be told don't trust your government, which I agree, don't don't trust your government. But then the media was like, well, you can trust us to be the watchdogs of the government. We'll make sure. So if there are some, if WikiLeaks leaks some emails from, from DNC servers and there's some weird Pizzagate stuff, we'll investigate it. We'll figure out what it is and the extent of it leads to, and we'll be the ones to be vigilant for you. But I think what you're seeing now is like, no one trusts the media to do an ounce of their job at all and so don't. yeah so it's like well i guess uh i i guess this random thing about pizzagate you know i guess i'll believe that because at least someone is doing some investigation yeah so if it's the one guy doing some investigation and he concludes pizzagate well that's the only narrative out there because the media isn't even offering a counter narrative they're just saying don't look at the emails don't look at the emails you've got chris cuomo on cnn saying actually it's illegal for you to illegal it's different for us because we're the media and we're going to possess them and not look at them. Okay. 
And this is what I mean when I say, you know, saying trust the media, what you are saying is trust corporations. The media is run by six corporations. So I'm not going to trust Comcast. I'm not going to trust uh, General Electric. I'm not going to trust ExxonMobil. Like, you know, and there's no difference between those two things. Um, and I really feel like today, as Americans, or probably in other countries too, I feel like we live in fear of our media. And that should not be the case because they have such power over people's minds. They have such power to define who we are, even private citizens, even children. Look at Covington or look at all of the, like those people, who, that kid that CNN doxxed and they just did it again with something. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. By the way, Mikey, apparently when your phone fell or whatever, last time you moved farther away from the mic. So if you want to get closer, you- Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, people can hear you. They're just saying you're quiet in the chat. Gracie um, says hello. Me, uh, Gracie says- headphones and see if this works. Okay. By the yeah, way, Tamara, uh, Tamara mentions that big tech is censoring real journalists like Project Veritas. Yeah, we talked about this on the Kofefi this morning, but just FYI for people not paying attention. Uh, YouTube actually removed, aside from everything else they've done- Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's better. Okay. Yeah, you? good. Aside from like removing Black Pigeon's account and other stuff that YouTube has done lately, uh, they deleted the Project Veritas video that exposed what was going on at Pinterest. There is, it's just, that's just deleting journalism. I that's honestly, I honestly am really getting to a point in my life where I'm so exasperated that I just, I don't know the words anymore for how grave the situation is becoming. This is the biggest, the single biggest issue of our time. And I don't know what to say anymore. And the thing is, uh, so many people, like I've seen this firsthand, unfortunately, the past couple months, is like some of these well-known free speech people trying to get them off their ass to do something. It's like, do you remember that cartoon Droopy Dog? <laughs> oh, they're going to censor all of us. It's like they talk, but they don't do. They don't get off their ass. And the thing is, we shouldn't be mocking the left. We need to learn from the left because... Whenever these things happen, they are mobilized, they are angry, they take to the streets, they get people fired from their jobs. And what do we do? Like, yeah, we try to do as much as we can, but it's not about us individuals. It's, I really think that we need to start becoming, all of us need to start becoming more about action and finding out how to put our words into action. Because whenever there's any sort of deplatforming or censorship, these, whether it's a platform or a company or venue owners, they only ever hear from the social justice censorship side i think when these things happen they need to hear from 10 times as many of us who they need to see that there are at least just as many people who support free speech and the thing is there's going to be nobody left soon because it was very easy for them to start with alex jones and with milo because they're obnoxious you know um right. but that line is quickly moving to the center then it's paul joseph watson then it's sargon of Akkad, then it's stephen crowder and that it's me and Blair and Brandon, like, so, and mark my words, the next people, once they make their way through conservatives and independents, the very next people who to be censored will be the few remaining anti-establishment liberals, somebody like Jimmy Dore, or now they're starting with Philip DeFranco, even, who is the most milquetoast, moderate, boring person in the world. So I really think we just need to start being more about action. Uh, it's, it's getting so much worse. Did you see um, Milo's 
glad you brought that up. Sorry, Carrie, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Did you see Milo? Uh, Milo's on Telegram now. I know a lot of people who've been unpersoned uh, on social media are now on Telegram. Did you see he was sort of saying something similar about like um, when someone on the left, when a leftist is involved in a scandal, like Linda Sarsour, for example, instead of backing away from her, they get her on panels and stuff immediately. They put her on shows, they get her booked to kind of just put the controversy in the back to not acknowledge it. Right. And he's like, whereas yeah. on the right, when you have anyone and they defend person, her, yeah, they defend her instead on the right, you see um, people move away from people like Milo and Alex Jones and not defend them. Even and Steven Crowder, them, even Crowder. And it helps them push the line and they keep moving the line. Because yep. people are afraid to defend uh, what? Like people they don't agree with on everything? Like uh, who cares? Yeah. You know, it's sort of like when you and I went on um, the Gavin McGinnis show. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can speak to that a little bit about why we ultimately decided to go, even though we'd both heard, yeah. oh, he's on white supremacist, which I looked up into and I don't think he is. But um, no, knowing that people would forever use that against us. Yeah. We That's still went on. That's what I mean when I say I think the American people live in fear of our media because their favorite thing to do is guilt by association. If you even so much as defend someone or speak to somebody, just have a conversation with them, they will use their name as part of your name. And it will forever be Carrie Smith, who has been on the Gavin McGinnis show, who has once said this. Um, so nobody wants to defend these people. And I think, you know, I've said over and over again, I'm gay. I'm half Jewish. I will 100% defend the free speech of homophobes, of neo-Nazis, of anti-Semites, of the Westboro Baptist Church, of whoever. And I will use my free speech to expose them as fools. But I think everyone is just so afraid. Everyone is so afraid to have any little thing used against them or to speak up for people. And honestly, like, there's going to be nobody left soon. Like, this is really just a systemic effort to remove any non-Democrat voice from the dialogue before 2020. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And they are ramping it up before 2020. Yeah. I think I'm, one of the reasons I'm glad you brought this up, because I, this is something I've been thinking about um, mostly a lot more since yesterday when there was a, obviously this whole Pinterest thing. Um, I'm kind of tired of bitching about it. Like, I know I want to bitch about it. Uh, it needs to be bitched about like, so it's, it's good to let people know, but we need to do more. There needs to be more than just bitching about it. And I don't know what the answer is. I mean, it's, you can build alternate tech, but I, my suspicion is that things like YouTube are actually money sinks. So you need, uh, yeah, I, Google's probably losing money on YouTube. I'm not sure, but they're probably, no, they are. Uh, on YouTube, and so you need basically a, a you know, money bags, a sugar daddy who's gonna fund something like that. Um, you can try and find out more profitable alternatives. I would say for the, but for for the average person who's not gonna go start a company because that's a ridiculous thing to ask most people to do. I get that. Some of us will start companies, and that's fine. Um, I think you need to vote with your dollars. You need to like yes. stop complaining about this stuff, like. You, you can cancel. If you have one of those upgraded YouTube accounts where you pay them, stop. If you like never, ever click on a YouTube ad, <laughs> never. Or, or even less than, I think there are even smaller things that we could do. Like, like leftists will take to the streets. They will mobilize. They would, you know, I don't know if I should say this, but like 
for example, I was thinking, why don't we have a free speech rally in front of the Vox offices in New York? And I reached out to some well-known free speech people. And there's just no, no, oh, oh, yeah, how nice. Like they don't want to do anything. And I don't well, think a lot of people realize just how grave the situation is becoming. No, no, I, I agree. But I want to defend the free speech people a little bit. This, the, the left, a lot of those people are professional activists. They get paid to be doing this. And the right but then doesn't why don't we have, have a huge number. Well, that's the point. So people like the Koch brothers who get vilified already in the media for giving billions to the Republican Party should be instead be giving billions to free speech at like smaller on the ground, free speech advocacy groups and and things like that. So, you know, I just I, I just think we need to in as many ways as is humanly possible need to make our presence known and to make it be you no know, make it a news story, make it a visual that there are there is active pushback to this there are actively people who support free speech and oppose censorship here i'll give you an analogy that you know with our walk away the lgbt town hall when it got deplatformed in new york um what ended up happening was we were supposed to have it at the lgbt center and of course they canceled after all this pressure so we had to find somewhere else however so they posted this defamatory open letter about us um so after that, the response, their excuse, the reason we were given why they canceled it is they said, well, the New York LGBT community has spoken and they decided that they don't want this event. Now, here's the thing. Um, that letter was signed by 200 people, which if you look up the LGBT population of New York, that's like five one hundredths of one percent. It's like zero point zero 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 three percent. What would have happened if just 1% of LGBT people in New York support free speech and would make their voices known? Right. No, so I think similarly, if just 1% of this country is willing to mobilize and step up and make their presence known for supporting free speech, I think uh, it could at least have an impact. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Because everyone, the, the average person thinks that there's only one side to this and it's about harassment and hate speech and all of these things that they tie to it. And I think the average person doesn't know how much, who, the average person who isn't on YouTube and isn't exposed to all these things might not know that there is such an active pushback to it. They're only seeing one side of it. Right. And advertisers need to know. So this is the other thing I was thinking. Like, yes. If you're a regular person, I do think you should like not be paying any of these companies be clicking on YouTube ads and you should be spending, you know, if you've got a small disposable income where you like, buy Netflix or whatever it is, or you, you upgrade your YouTube account or whatever, instead support some of these independent people, go to subscribe star, yeah. go to, uh, I wouldn't go to Patreon anymore, but yeah. you know, go to channels, right. And support them directly. Um, and like, you know, vote with your dollars. The other thing I would say though, I've been thinking about this and I think Crowder actually mentioned this, although maybe he didn't, uh, maybe it's just me fabricating this. Uh, I think a, a free speech based MCN, a multi-channel network that's free speech based, where we get advertisers and we say, look, we're going to put, we're going to prop you up in the front of the public as being advocates for free speech. And this MCN is going to span anyone who's been censored or pushed away off of these other platforms and I mean, maybe you can kind of start getting something like that going, but advertisers need to know because advertisers, I think there are, there are the woke companies that are doing this because they have an agenda, 
But the average company is when they pull sponsorship or when they react to this kind of stuff, they're doing it because they're afraid and they think that yes. that's what the mainstream wants. And so they don't want to go against the mainstream and lose business. So we need to help them. And we need to say like, look, you're not going to lose business. In fact, we're going to support you. And people who don't sign this thing or join this MCN or, or people who companies who don't do this, we're not, we're not going to go. We need to give people alternatives. We need to be clear. What are all the alternatives to Gillette? Gillette's owned by Procter & Gamble. What are all the alternatives to Procter & Gamble? And like, how do you vote with your dollars and how do you show companies that this is something that we care about and we're not going to, just because your ad appears before someone on YouTube that we disagree with, that's not a reason to not buy your products. We yeah. respect you for re supporting free speech, even if you don't agree with it. And I think there need to be companies who are really like keeping, or you know what I mean, like an organization at least on the free speech side who's keeping score and keeping track of this. Because I really do think that there are more of us than there are of them. It, it, the social justice wars and the media and these people pushing for censorship, it is such a loud and powerful minority. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to keep score and show oh, look, there are 10 times as many people who oppose this and be able to have data and facts and statistics to show these companies. It's almost like um, the, in education, there's a group called FIRE. I think it's like the yes. foundation for yeah individual rights in education, but mm -hmm. they they keep track, they keep score. They give colleges a, a rating based on if they support um, the concepts of free expression or not. And so it, it, would, it would, I don't know of any, Organ not any organization that tracks that with with corporations or with we should start one <laughs> be interesting yeah yeah it really would be good for people to be able to see who are the companies that are bending to this and and pushing this agenda and who are the companies who are willing to say you know what i don't like anything mike carlo has to say and i support his right to say it and that's okay yes yeah right. and i think also even keeping score of like you know, if there's a venue owner pr who's pressured to cancel an event, oh, you have 200 people sending you angry tweets. Well, here are 2,000 people who support their speech. You know, I think they need to see hard facts that there are more of us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and maybe they need to be, I, I would argue that they also need to, because as a business owner, what you're afraid of, you actually don't like controversy. So if you said, yeah. here's people who hate what you're doing here, and here's 200 people who want you to do it. The, the, the calculation that you'll do in your head is which group will hurt me more? Like if I do it anyway, um, will these people that said they supported it, will they come and support me and like help me? Uh, cause I'm, cause I might get boycotted by the other people or is the reverse true? Right. Um, you need to figure out, you know, you need to make it, you need to actually support them and not just say like, yes, yeah. we're, we're, we're on your side because if you're not as activist minded as the, those 200 people that signed that petition, maybe there are 2000 people that support you, but if you do it, those 2000 people aren't going to give you more business. They're not going to really help you. It doesn't matter, but those 200, they're going to keep it up and they're going to stop going and they're going to keep bugging people. And yeah. so it's that kind of a thing. The other thing I think the left does is they, they pick on, they set examples. So they, I think a lot of times we look at this and we say that we're just overwhelmed that there's so much to, to do here. There's too much, right? But the left will pick a specific example. They made you guys, they made an example out of you guys to scare other venues, yep. right? You've got to pick an example and make an example out of a, a venue or out of a company 
to scare other people into, or maybe not scare, but possibly. Uh, no, absolutely in- scare and, and scare other people from speaking out. Because, yes. you know, I know so many people who tell me in private, oh, I love what you have to say, but nobody can know that. Or when that old controversy was happening, I literally had people that I've known for a decade who were messaging me, can you take down pictures of us together? I can't be seen with you. So yeah. that is, it's all about social pressure to keep people in line. And they need to keep instilling that fear in people to just go along with the status quo. Yeah. And that we need to build stronger. We need to build people. We need to build a future generation that's got a healthier constitution that can stand up to social pressure and be like, you know what? I don't care if you don't like the fact that I'm in a picture with Mike Carlo. He's my yeah. friend. Yeah. Right. I um I saw, speaking of like picking one to make an example of, a, a recent one was one that Mikey, you brought to my attention, which is uh, the Creek in the Cave comedy venue in New yeah. York. Yeah, they cave, they cave. They had they were gonna have Legion of Skanks on, and uh, Milo Yiannopoulos was the special guest for this particular show, and they'd been hosting Legion of Skanks for a while, and then um, a bunch of SJWs found out Milo was gonna be there and protested, and the Creek in the Cave folded, and they posted like a lot of these places do this really um, convoluted and confused statement about how they fully support free speech and they would never <laughs> ban a comedian from their venue, but they're going to ban Milo. And here, oh, here's why <laughs> we support free speech and we don't ban people. Now we're going to explain why we're Jesus. not supporting free speech and why we're banning someone. And yeah. what's funny too, is these people, these, uh, whatever you want to call them who like pressure them to cancel these events and stuff. It's not like there's never a reward in it for these people for going, for giving them what they want. It's not like, Oh, then they'll support you. They still hate you anyway. Right. Right. Like you don't get anything out of it. They'll just find something else to be pissed off. Some new target of the week. Yeah. And I think, and I think it's a replacement and like you do a great lot of business or something. They just, they just ignore you. That's it. Yeah. And I think that uh, Milo is a good example of the control that the LGBT community has. Cause look, I, we probably agree on, I think he's kind of an idiot. Like I used to like him, but you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I think he's kind of a fool. However, there is such hysteria over him singularly that I don't see for anybody else. And nobody will ever convince me that there would be that level of hysteria if he were straight. I think that is his, as much as he has said things that I don't condone, I think that that is his real crime, that he's gay and saying these things because the alphabet soup cult just wants such tight control of people. Yeah, and he all, but he also goes against the narrative, right? I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. just like, Milo as much as as you do. I don't know him super well, but I, 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 I dislike him. I just the top, but you know, whatever. I don't agree with everything. That's fine. But he's he can be funny, he can be witty, mm-hmm. and and he says things that are intentionally provocative. And yeah. uh I I think it's just it's like Carrie has said, they hate on the people who are supposed to be uh in some group that's supposed to have a particular belief in the social justice hierarchy. When you're a traitor, that's when you get the most hate. And he's a mega traitor for the gay community, right? I mean, he's a he's he's the oh, original yeah. winner of the gay community, basically. But that's the thing is, I think even if he didn't say things that he says, they would find something. They would find some reason. Like Blair, for example, Blair White. Uh, it's only ever LGBT media who goes after her. Same with me. It's always LGBT media who comes after me. Like 
the, that's where you really see how much like the left claims that they are here to support black people and gay people and transgender people. If anybody actually believes that, try being one and disagree with them once and see what happens. Right. Oh, right. it is very vitriolic. Yeah, they can't. Or a woman or, you know. Or a woman. Yeah, they can't stand it. It's like you have, they have to explain it in some way. We all know this. It's like, oh, you're internally misogynistic. Oh, you're internally mm. racist or you're, you hate yourself and you're, you know, to be able to call the the four of you guys, the what the LGBT walkaway people Nazis is just that I almost in a way feel like they have to they have to keep doing, they have to get to a point where we talked about, they've already stretched the words, they've broken these words, but they have to keep doing it to a point where the word means literally nothing anymore. And then people be as afraid to be called that because it's like, yeah, you call everyone that. And the thing is they know that they are lying. The, the example that I always point to is on my YouTube channel. uh, I made this one video where there was this kid, it was this news story where this kid went on this like white pride rant. And I made a video against that. I actually got a lot of pushback from some conservatives for it. Like, if you watch this video, it would sound like it was made by a friggin' liberal. Um, these people in the open letter of our hate speech dossier took little clips from that where I'm basically, where I'm like quoting him to pass it off as if it's my words. So they saw the sentence before that and they saw the sentence after that. They know that they are lying. So the only thing that mattered to them is that the flyer said we are not Democrats and that's enough. And they will find their reasoning afterwards. They're, yeah, bad faith. Hey, so yeah. I wanted to ask you, I don't know how much longer we have you and we started late. So Carter and I talked about this um, um, yesterday or the day before uh, on Daily Kefefe. But the, we, you know, I know we've talked about trans kids and, um, and drag kids, but we haven't talked about what's in the news here in Texas, which is the um, um, drag queen story hours. So they've been, they were canceled at a couple different libraries and then a church, like an SJW church group came in and rented out private rooms, conference rooms at the libraries. so they can still hold, hold drag queen story hour. And I mean, I have, I have an opinion on it. Carter and I have a pretty similar opinion. I think it's a nuanced opinion. And I'm just wondering what you, what you think about these. Cause I know what I think. Mine is probably less nuanced. I okay. think it's sick. I uh, it's insanity. Why do kids need to be to need to know about this? What you know? I mean, I feel like the most that kids need to know if they ask what's gay or what's okay. Some boys like boys. Some girls like girls. Some people are transgender. That's totally cool, and that is nothing that you need to worry about in the slightest until you are older. And first, well, so first of all, these people say that. Uh, there's no, oh, well, there's nothing inherently sexual about drag. Cool. Then why don't we just install stripper poles into kindergarten classrooms? Because there's nothing inherently sexual about dancing on a pole. It's, it's the same thing. Yet that is the connotation that it has. It's just so wrong. And also, if you look at these drag queen story hours, there have been multiple times over and over and over again now that, uh, these drag queens are getting arrested for some sort of pedophilia, sex with minors. And again, I don't think that's anything because like, oh, LGBTs, they're pedophiles, nothing like that. But it's their ideology. It's because they're so open-minded that they can't do a background check on their drag queen. That would be a microaggression. So I'm supposed to trust that. So if these people cannot be trusted to do a simple fucking background check on somebody who's going to be working with children, I should trust them to inject kids with hormones and to get that right. Yeah. We have a, we have a pretty similar opinion then though. Cause I, cause I, 
um, the thing is, there there is nothing wrong with in my, in my opinion. There's nothing wrong with drag. I've we, we all have drag friends. It's like the issue is that as Carter stated uh, um, to me, and it's 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 that we are we're operate they operate from uh, a position that kids need this. Kids need to be read to by drag queens that it's a it's a need and something you just said about strippers made me laugh because we've been coming up with alternative like taking any random minority group and saying you know what if we the joke i was doing is like you know we need borderline personality disorder story hour where you yeah. people with borderline but you just said strippers i mean that's another great one it's like why not have sex worker story hour sex workers are yeah. people too kids need well, to learn to love and respect them yeah well the thing is i think it's very similar because it's like oh there isn't inherently anything sexual about dancing on a pole but there is they just play dumb with these things and oh there's nothing inherently sexual about drag yeah but there is well so that's the thing so i i, I have it i had I a visceral negative reaction to this drag queen story hour but i tried i try to be introspective about like okay do i have just some weird bias like is is this is it legitimate to have a, a negative reaction yeah. And uh, cause I've had, I've had a couple drag queen friends um, who I won't name cause it'll ruin their entire lives. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, the thing with being a drag queen is a drag queen is a joke and it's a sexual joke. That's yeah. what it is. A drag queen is a sexual joke, right? Typically yeah. they're gay. One time we're gay men, they're gay men. They have an alter ego. They changed, you know, they use the different name for their alter ego. They dress up to the nines like they're, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, flamingo dancer or whatever it is <laughs> that they're dressing up like, right? They, they, they dress up to the hilt, very glamorous, ostentatious, over the top. They change their personality to their alter ego. And the whole thing is meant to be a joke on sexuality. That's the whole point of, a, of being a drag queen. And I thought about it and I was like, well, if, if a drag, because I, I have a daughter, she's too old to have someone come read to her, but whatever. If, if, if my drag queen friend happened to be in her alter, e- in his alter ego, so it would be a her that night, whatever, going out partying. Um, and for some reason, they stopped by the house and wanted to read a story. I would be fine with that. I'd be like, sure, here's, here's this person. You know them. Look, they're dressed up. They're going by this name. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of like a costume. They're going to read to you in this. They're pretending to be this person. They're going to read to you a story. I don't think I would have a problem with that um, because it's personal and it's uh, it's just kind of they would be already a natural part of my the, the world that I was in. But there's something different about that and saying, no, 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 no. We have to bust in a group of drag queens specifically for the purpose of reading to kids. Um, that seems you know, because if a drag queen, if I was, you know, if I had a drag queen I was friends with come in and happened to read to my child, I would already have had to have a conversation with my child about that, that they could understand about yes. what a drag was and what it meant. And it would be at their level and like, it would be okay. And they would already be part of their lives. But to, to pull them in and be like, you, it's death, you know, it's vital kids. It's really important that you understand what it means to be a guy who dresses up like a woman and tries to look sexy. And you, the best way to understand that is to have them read Dr. Seuss to you w- from their alter ego. Like, <laughs> I don't, what the hell, what's the mentality there? And like Carrie said, there is no difference between that and having like, now this is what we call a hooker, children. Hookers, <laughs> like, 
like it's very important that you accept hookers like yeah fine you should i'm i'm a libertarian kind of guy i accept hookers that's fine uh-huh. why do they need to go into kindergartens to read to kids also yeah. Carter, you watch the videos coming out of these drag queen story hours it is literally kids in diapers it, it i just think and here's the thing with all of these things with these they're issues that, they're in yes yup it is literally toddlers Watch any of the videos from any of these things. It, there is toddlers and kids in diapers. It's crazy. And I think all of these things, whether it's the drag queen story hour, whether it's th- openly gay at three years old, whether it's children having sex changes, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I honestly, honestly believe that about 90% of the population has to agree with us. But I think everyone is so afraid to say that. Like, I don't think that we're in the minority opinion here. I think if there was a poll done and they asked, do you think five-year-olds should have sex changes? I think the vast, vast majority of people would say no. But that, as we said, that's what they're doing, that they are making the Overton window about this big where we're not allowed to have that opinion. It's hate speech. Like, all of the things that uh, in that open letter that I was told were hate speech, it's just the things I'm saying now, which I think most people agree with. But it's so sick, I can't... Uh, makes me crazy yeah and it, it does make me suspicious i guess the other thing is when someone's like we desperately need to have drag queens in to read to your child in <laughs> diapers it makes me suspicious that like well drag queens are inherently sexual why do you feel like it's really necessary to op- like have a talk about sexuality and like you're introducing the subject that's not part of my child's world right now to toddlers yeah and i mean why- aren't kids I mean, aren't kids sexualized young enough as it is today with having phones and iPads and porn everywhere? Like, isn't that already happening enough? Um, and another thing, too, I forget offhand what it was, but you guys got to look up the books that they're reading at these story time hours because they're psychotic. It's like there was one that was literally about polyamory. It was like, uh, you know, Jojo has 10 dads or something like that. Like, so it's not just the drag queen story hour. It's that in addition to all of these very ideological books, there was one that was like A for activist and F for feminism. And it it is an agenda, no matter what they say, we all know that it is. And we all know it's nuts. Like people can pretend, oh yeah, stunning and brave, how wonderful, but it's fucking nuts. And everyone knows it's nuts. Yeah. And it's an Yep. Yeah, it's appropriate. I saw them. Um, so I saw an article about the one. Okay, so there's one happening right near me. Like I'm, I'm gonna try and go to it actually just to see. <laughs> there's one happening near me this Saturday, and it's the same thing. It's um, the library ended up canceling it because it's a public space, and there were complaints that you're using public funds for this, you know. So then I, this SJW church group came in and rented out a private room in the library so they can hold it there. And I saw an an interview with. Uh, the guy, one of the guys who runs this this church, and he he was saying that this is about us coming to, together to say we love our kids. And I'm like, listen to that sentence. This is about us coming to say we love our kids. I don't think that's what this is about. I think no. I think this is about you using children to um, push an ideology forward, like to make a point. You're making an ideological point, and you're using kids. And then I I went further beyond the news article, and I looked up. Um, there's a protest group of like Catholic, uh, a lot of Latino Catholic uh, Christian parents who are going to be there, a small group to protest the drag queen story hour. And there's a counter protest planned by SJWs, which is 
looks much bigger online. And guess what they're calling the concerned parents? Uh, fascists. Life. Fascists. They call. They say the fascist protest starts at one, so we need to get there at twelve thirty. Fascists. Again, what are you basing that on? They're not fascists. They just disagree with you. They disagree with you, and they want to express their opinion. But guess who they don't call fascists and don't say a word about? I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but there's a whole story of this group of Muslims who are protesting uh, some sort of gay stuff being taught to their kids. And there have been massive Muslim protests about that. Ooh, we don't talk about that, though, because they are at the very, very top of the intersectional pyramid, the hierarchy. Yeah, that's happening in the UK a lot right now, right? There's a, there's yeah. a lot of, yeah, absolutely. We don't talk I, about that, though. That might break fascists. the SJW brain, though, because which is higher on the hierarchy? Is it Muslims or? Muslim. Muslim oh, is higher. Oh, okay. I, no, <laughs> Muslim is always higher. Okay. <laughs> so now we know who will be, if Muslim is higher, now we know who our overlords will be when social justice warriors win. It will be yep. Muslims. It will be uh, Islamic law. We have the that. Top three, the top three in their hierarchy, it is Muslim, uh, transgender illegal immigrant. Oh, okay. Those are the top three in that order. Maybe illegal immigrant before transgender. Cause if, because if an illegal immigrant killed a transgender person, I don't think they would say anything about it. So I'd say Muslim, <laughs> illegal immigrant, transgender. I like this game. It's like the, yeah. we brought up this, uh, this case before of, uh, the one where the, um, the Muslim, no, the transgender woman is suing the Muslim woman for, and this is a real case for not uh, waxing her genitals. Oh yeah, oh my God. It's against the Muslim woman's religion. And I love that case because it 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 directly, they a lot of SJW's heads explode. They don't know which side to take. Maybe they don't know the hierarchy as you're explaining it, but they <laughs> won't say anything. They don't side with the trans no. woman publicly, but they no. side with the Muslim. They're just kind of quiet. <laughs> Muslim, Muslim is always number one with a bullet. Pardon the expression. <laughs> or... Or a number of pieces. That's a separate, separate thing. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it's crazy. I, I will say this is, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Vox Day, but I did read he's got a book called SJW's Lie, and he's got some rules. SJW's always lie, and he's got some rules in there. And one of the rules is SJW's always project. And yes, he hasn't been wrong so far that I can tell. Um, it's uh I don't know who that is vox day yeah i don't know who he's that is wrong about some stuff he's like a he's a kind of conservative he might he's like close to the white nationalist end of the spectrum. oh geez he goes I by think. i think he goes I'm by not sure, actually i, I don't want to i don't want to paint him with a brush that i don't know because i don't know but he's he's painted with that brush all i know is i read his book called social justice warriors always lie <laughs> book and i'll check that out well, I just need to jump in real quick and say he goes by Teddy Spaghetti now. He goes by, by what? Teddy Spaghetti. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe, maybe you can read it Dragon <laughs> Queen story time. Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Teddy Spaghetti wrote a book. Um, but one of the rules is SJWs always project. And uh, I've, never seen, I've never seen evidence to the contrary for that. It seems like it's always... It's always projection. So when they're yelling fascist, it's like, oh, so you're the fascist. You want to control what everyone, okay, I got it. Like, that's that's all it is. I don't know. Thought I'd throw that's that out a, there. Yeah, no, that's, it, and that even goes back to what you're saying before about how they're so po uh, politically correct in public, but then in private, they're the biggest fucking racists and bigots of all. Yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. Which is why they're, this is really just their internal battle externalized. They're fighting themselves, yeah. but that's difficult. Uh, and they don't want to go to therapy. So they externalize it and they're fighting you because they think that you are the darkest, most parts of their soul. Yeah. And it's funny because like everybody that I know through this sort of stuff, whether it's Carrie or Brandon or with walk away, anything like that, spending time with these people, I've never once heard them say anything of that sort in private. Yet these other people uh, who are so politically correct, you're in private with them for five minutes and they're saying a million things that they would be outraged about if we said them. Yeah. Yeah. They're just very dishonest. <sighs> well, that's, I think that's a pretty good uh, summary. Carrie, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to keep Mikey forever. It's been, I know we started late, but it's also quite late at this point. We've, yeah. Uh, We're going to let you go, but I just want to say uh, somebody in our, somebody in our chat just said, this kid is great, smart, and rational. Yes, oh, thank you. But wait, where can they follow this kid? Can you tell people? We'll put <laughs> links. Tell people where to go to get more of you. Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's a little bit of a mess right now. I'm working. I'm gonna like relaunch it or something because I've been a little off track with it. So, but I've some big video. I'm my one video I've been really excited to make is I basically made the whole channel just so I could eventually make this video. Is my big thing. Uh, called the truth about gay culture and i'm gonna have like the other title in the thumbnail be dark side of the rainbow um so my youtube <laughs> channel is just uh my name mike harlow mike like tyson harlow like gene uh twitter is mikey the harlow instagram sleepy harlow uh facebook i'm better at the facebook than other stuff so just look me up my name <laughs> I want to say uh, the thing that I, I like most about your YouTube channel uh, in the about section, uh, you you mentioned you made a reference to Clueless, which is I'm not gay, but it is one of the best movies ever. Yes. Uh, I will totally have a Clueless watching party with you. At oh, my God. Yes. You got You guys both got to come to New York. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, <laughs> awesome. all right. Um, Wait, Carrie, where you, I forget where uh, where do you live, Carter? Oh, I'm out. Uh, I'm out in the People's Republic of California. I'm in the, the Bay Area. Oh, Rebellion. cool. We uh, we just did an event in LA. We're hopefully going to do one in like San Francisco. So you should come. Yeah, let me know the next time you're out here. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. And Carrie, you got to come to New York too. Oh, I'm I'm working on plans. Yes, you can come <laughs> stay with me. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Mikey. Thanks, Mikey. Really appreciate Thank your you time. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are the best. I love you guys. This is my favorite favorite show. It was a lot of fun, as it <laughs> always is. Ah. Uh.